Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. How do you feel when you know that you've exercised the faith that you have and have asked God for something and you haven't received what you've asked God for? Are you disappointed or do you question your own faith level? Today we are continuing our series on faith. What is it? How is it applied? And how does God work in response to our faith? Jesus Christ taught a series of messages to his disciples so they would know how to stand in the face of tremendous challenges and oppositions. Are you at a place right now where you need God to move in your life? Learn how to exercise your faith and let God move for you. Join us today as we take a look at the scriptures that will help build our faith and help us to exercise our faith to receive the things that God has in store for us. One of the first things we learn when we come to Christ is the importance of faith in the life of a believer. We are saved by grace through faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Four times the scripture says the just shall live by faith. The Bible mentions the word faith about 450 times. There is little faith. There is great faith. There is genuine faith. Common faith. Weak faith. Holy faith. First faith. And then there's faith. It was curious to me as I was looking at that, of the times that faith is mentioned, especially in the King James Version, it is only mentioned twice in the Old Testament. The word faith. The other 243 times it's mentioned in the King James is in the New Testament. We've had more teachings on faith in this generation than ever before. We walk by faith. We believe in faith. We've learned to receive by faith. We use our faith for asking for things of God and receiving things of God. And, and some are even using their faith to demand things of God. Some have promoted faith so much that they have faith in their faith. While faith is hardly mentioned in the Old Testament, the hall of faith that is mentioned in the book of Hebrew is a recognition of the exploits of the Old Testament saints and their belief that is initiated by actions which resulted in great things that God did for them and through them. In other words, they're not talking a lot about faith, but they're exercising it. Let me say that one more time. They're not talking a lot about it, but they're exercising it. Now here we are, we're talking a lot about it, but we're not getting any results like they did. Today I want to talk about how to have a faith that works. How to have a faith that works. The Hebrew boys who were thrown into the fiery furnace didn't talk about faith. They demonstrated faith. 
Daniel never mentions faith, but he demonstrated faith. Abraham didn't talk about faith, but he believed God. When God told him to leave his home and leave his family and go to a place where I'm going to show you. Those who bless you, I will bless them. Those who curse you, I will curse them. So leave everybody and go somewhere you don't know where you're going. I ain't telling you to just take off and start walking. And Abraham took off and started walking. He didn't talk about faith. He walked in faith. When we take a look at the work of God in the scripture, and we can see his miracles of healing and his protection and his provision, we often may wonder, if you're reading in the New Testament or maybe you've been following in the book of Mark with us, and we see miracle after miracle. We see God doing mighty things. Jesus Christ is healing the sick. He's casting out demonic forces. He's walking on water. He's feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000 and the woman with the issue of blood. We may wonder whether or not God is still in the miracle business because we've been praying, but we haven't seen anything. Some of us have been praying and believing, and still we have not seen the hand of God move for us. We're not telling anybody because we still come to church and say, God is good. Hallelujah, saints. But in our hearts, we wonder, Lord, do you even hear me? Lord, do you even pay attention to my needs? I've been praying. I've been confessing. I have a positive confession. I have no negative confession. I've been listening to healing scriptures. I've been listening to miracle scriptures, but nothing is happening for me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I grew up in church, so I, I know how church stuff goes. I know when somebody declare that God's going to do something and they prophesy, God's going to do something by this time next year. God's going to do this and that and this. And this time next year come, nothing happens, and everybody act like they didn't see it. <laughs> Nobody call them out on it. You know, but I was just one of those kids that said, didn't he just say that we're going to? I kept up with it. They said, this is this time next year. Why it didn't happen? He must not be a real prophet. <laughs> well, the Bible says if, a, if God has given you a prophecy, it's going to come to pass. I mean, I believe the Bible. I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't try to go back and say, well, well, maybe it meant something else. No, he said it can happen. It's supposed to happen like that. So when it's not happening, what's happening? Why is it then that we can say that God is able, but when it comes to us, it seems like it's not happening? Well, what's happening? <laughs> Why is that? We're going to look at that today when we look at a faith that works. So among the many lessons Jesus taught his disciples were a lesson on faith. And we can find it in the ninth chapter. I'm not going to even tell you what book. If you've been here, you know where we're at, and you should have read it. Somebody say, where are you at? Just say here in the book of Mark. Mark, the ninth chapter, beginning at the 14th verse, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him, what are you arguing with them about, he asked. Let me just make a point here. Uh, Wednesday night, I was here, and they were arguing again. 
And we had a wonderful message for those who, if you were not here, you ought to be glad. They were arguing like children, and Jesus said, what is wrong with y'all? And I asked that question, what's wrong with us in the church? We're acting like children. He said, what are you arguing about? Verse 17, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and become rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Here we have a picture of some of the disciples in the middle of a large crowd, and an argument is going on. But what happened? What is the argument about? Before the disciples could speak, Jesus said, what's the argument about? And here comes this man. He jumps right in. Before the disciples could say anything, the man decided to tell what's going on. He says, and he gets right to the point. Before anybody else had a chance to put their spin on it, this man told exactly what was happening. I was thinking about that. I'm thinking if the disciples would have asked, uh, would have uh, answered, they probably would have said, well, you know, we were trying to pray for this boy. And that was a, a hindrance. He got delivered, but it's in the spirit realm at the moment. And we just have to get it over in the natural. That's what we say when it ain't happening. See, when we're praying and we say we got faith and we're declaring and it hadn't happened, we got to come up with some excuses. Now, I know how church work goes. You ain't got to tell you nothing today. I know what we do. Well, it's still in the, it's still in the spirit realm. Didn't you ask for it in the natural? You say, I shall have what I say when I pray and, and have faith and don't doubt. I shall have what I say when I pray. Okay. Well, how come you said it was in the spiritual realm? Didn't you ask for it in the natural? Or go back and ask for it in the natural. And then say what day you want it. If you can have what you say when you pray. If your saying it's going to get it to you. Say when and what time and where. The disciples didn't have a chance to put a spin on her. The man who had the need says, my boy is demon-possessed, get thrown into the fire. I brought him to the God-fearing disciples, been walking with you, and they couldn't cast him out. He got right to the point. They couldn't do it. He didn't say they wouldn't do it. He said they couldn't do it. Now, this man had a son, and the diagnosis was already made. You know, when your daddy said you got a demon, other folks will say that about your children. But when the parents say he possessed, he's possessed. You know, the parents going to give you any kind of break they can. Oh, you know, he's, uh, uh, he's had a hard childhood. Uh, his mama was on crack or whatever it was. They're going to give some kind of excuse. Well, you know, he's a little nervous. You know, he's got ADD. You know, he got all kind of stuff like that. I believe he's bipolar or whatever. But this dad didn't call it bipolar. He said, this kid got a demon. He said he's possessed. And he said the spirit has robbed him of speech. He said he's got a spirit that comes upon him and the spirit will seize him. And he said the spirit will throw him to the ground and the spirit would cause him to gnash his teeth. Come on parents when you see this stuff happening. Listen, I don't know why we think the demons got retired. They're not retired. 
you don't know what to do with that kid, and you see him throw himself to the ground, gnash his teeth, start kicking and screaming, you can't do nothing with him. Now, number one, you'd beat him. <laughs> and if that don't do it, he got a demon. <laughs> Most of them got good sense. Even demons don't like to be whooped. They're going to say, we're in the wrong house now. <laughs> Solomon said in Proverbs, when you fail to discipline your children, you spoil them. He said, the rod of correction will straighten them out. The rod of correction will straighten them out. And uh, I don't know what the, what the psychologist is going to say. They might tell you to put them in a timeout. But for us, timeout was how long it took you to recover your... <laughs> That's how long we were out. That's what time out was. Wake him up. And you didn't have all the issues you have today in the schools where everybody's scared of the kids. The parents scared of them. Teachers scared of them. And they ain't scared of nobody. But this man says the spirit would cause him to gnash his teeth and foam at the mouth and become rigid. <laughs> the man tells Jesus, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. This means then that there was some effort put forward to attempt to drive out the spirit. Otherwise, he would say they could not. I mean, they, they told him, come up here in the name of Jesus. I'll cast you out. And the Spirit said, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> so they was trying to do something, but they could not drive him out. It seems that this argument that ensued was prompted by the exercise of the disciples attempting to cast the evil spirits out of this boy. In other words, the teachers of the law, those who were the Pharisees, those who were religious authorities were along with the disciples in the crowd and the argument between the teachers of the law and the disciples was going on. I don't know what it was like primarily, but it could have been that the teachers were saying, now see there, you can't do that. I don't know who you think you are trying to cast out some demonic spirits. You must have the devil in you yourself. You can't cast him out. And they were arguing back and forth. That's when Jesus said, now what were y'all arguing about? Perhaps the teachers of the law were criticizing the disciples for trying to do what Jesus has done. The disciples had seen Jesus cast out a few demons earlier in the book of Mark. And I'm going to show you the disciples has done so earlier as well. The disciples may have been trying to justify the outcome like we do today. My deliverance is in the spiritual realm. My blessing is on the way. That's what we say when we've been in a place where we've been struggling financially year after year. You know, my blessing's on the way. I got a new season coming. But we need the blessings today for what we need to do today. Maybe you've been, or you may now be in a situation where you've asked God for something in prayer. And you've exercised your faith. And you still have not received it. You may be praying for that child who's wayward, who's on a tear, who's addicted to drugs, whose lifestyle is unacceptable. 
You may be praying for a spouse. You may be praying for a situation. You may think God has not heard you. You may think God's got something against you. Somebody told me recently they were mad at God. You may be upset because everybody else look like they're getting blessed, but you're not. And you're still struggling with that thing that you have brought to God and you've been praying for it month after month and year after year and nothing seemed to be moving in your direction. When Jesus was informed about what was going on, he stepped right in and gave a definitive answer for the lack of results. In verse 19, he said, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long would I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. He's talking to his disciples, those who've been walking with him, those who've been riding with him, those who've been ministering with him. Oh, unbelieving generation, how long do I have to stay with you? Bring the boy for me, to me. Bring him here. He immediately calls them an unbelieving generation. This is a challenge, and as I look at this, I'm wondering myself, now what is going on here? This is an unbelieving generation, but earlier in the book of Mark, chapter 6, we see this. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. This is the same ones that he's calling the unbelieving generation. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. They drove out many demons before, but now they can't drive this one out. See, there are times when we are strong in the faith. There are times when we are not as strong as we could be. And as I thought about this and meditated on this and looked at this, and I'm wondering, now these are the same people. Now he gave them authority earlier to drive out demons, and they actually did that. But now here's a case that comes to them a little later, and they can't do anything with this boy. What is going on here? And Jesus looked at them and called them an unbelieving generation. You're calling me an unbelieving generation after you've already gave me the authority to drive out demons, and I've driven some out before. Uh, what's up with that? Here's what he's getting to when he's talking about faith. There are times when when we're strong in our faith. Uh, let me give you an example here. You may go to the doctor and the doctor tell you you have a, a sickness or a disease. And after you get over the initial response to hearing the news, since you've been saved a long time, since you, you've been walking with the Lord, you're going to come out and you're going to say, I know whose report that I'm going to believe. I'm not going to believe the doctor's report. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I'm going to believe the Lord's report. I shall live and not die. So I'm going to walk this thing. The devil can't kill me. I'm alive in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You're trying to exercise your faith and get it going. But at that point, you're still feeling good. You didn't know you were sick until he told you. And you were still feeling okay. But you go back in a couple of months, he says, you know, this thing has progressed. And now you can feel it. This thing has progressed and you've got two weeks to live. Are you going to come back and say, I shall live and not die. And I shall declare the works of the Lord. And when you're feeling bad too. 
That thing has gone to another level. Now you're wondering, Lord, are you going to do this? And y'all don't have to act like you ain't asked the Lord. I do that too. And everybody who's walking in faith is going to have to come to that point. I'm just telling you, so you don't have to play church. You don't have to play holy. Everyone that God has given something to do has come to a crisis of belief, wondering whether or not God was going to do what he says he's going to do. Because anytime God's going to do something and speak it in your life, it's going to be more than you have the ability or power to do on your own, and you're going to have to trust God. And it's, you, that's why he said we got to walk this thing out by faith. We got to learn step by step, and it's not easy. Because it goes against everything you feel. It goes, faith goes against the facts. So you get to that point, you're saying, I heard what he said. Now the facts are coming up and now you feel that and you're wondering, I don't know whether this is really going to work or not. And you can become weak in your faith. And you can begin to have unbelief. We exercised faith when we were looking at this piece of property that we were on. As a small church, the price wasn't overbearing. When we first saw this property, the people that had put it in the magazine had a price on it for $40,000. We didn't have $40,000 in the church. And we said we weren't going to go borrow any money, but so we started praying. We put people on every corner of this property. We walked around and we came out here after church and, and we just stood here. We just believed God and believed God and believed God. But it wasn't easy. It was three years later, it seems like, when we finally got this property and it was God's miracle provision. We came out here and shouted in the dirt. Now we got another building that's almost $5 million. <laughs> and I'm saying, Lord, are you going to do this one? The Bible says we go from faith to faith. When you are able to see God move at one level, there's another level of things that are coming that requires us to be at a place where God can move through us at that next level of what he's trying to get done. And I believe that what Jesus is showing us in this passage is that you can't rest on what you did. You can't rest on what you did. Disciples, you can't rest on what you did in chapter 6. In chapter 6, you had this success of going out and praying and you say, oh my goodness, he gave us authority over all the evil spirits and he's telling us to go out and lay hands on the sick. We've never done that before. Before I go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go over here and I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to say, God, you got to work through me. God, you got to do it. I can't do it on my own. But since then, since you've cast out devils, you've just been walking around like you all of that and you ain't been fasting. You ain't been praying. You ain't been seeking. you just been hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You've been eating the fishes and the loaves. You've been walking on water, but you ain't been praying. The Bible tells each of us who are believers that we walk by faith and not by sight. This is Jerry G. Martin with The Light of the World. I certainly hope that you've enjoyed the message today, and I hope that it has encouraged you in your faith Trust God and trust what he says in his word that he will do what he has promised. You may have tried everything else you know to do, but have you tried placing your trust and faith in God and stay in the course until you see God move on your behalf? If you would like to hear today's message again in its entirety, join us on our podcast 
at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can listen to today's message as well as previous messages that have aired on this station. I want to take just a moment to invite you to come and join us. We're meeting in person every Sunday at the Light of the World Christian Fellowship. We're located at 16161 Old Humble Road in the Humble North Houston area. Our services begin at 10. We have social distance protocols and health protocols still in place as we are conscious that we want everyone to remain safe and healthy as they come and enjoy the worship and the Word of God. Pastor Jackie Martin is in a wonderful series right now, and you will be blessed. I invite you to go to our website at lowcf.org for more information. If you have a prayer request and we can stand with you in faith, believe in God with you, call us at 281-964-1393. That's 281-964-1393. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, May the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.